your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 528 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, you know, I figure there's a two-week break here for the Rangers. Want to sort of take inventory as it pertains to the Rangers potentially being up for some awards this season and some accolades. We'll get into all that in just a second. Uh, The only other thing I want to do, and we'll start with this, I just want to acknowledge the Olympics being underway here, and specifically the Hockey Olympics, both the women's and the men's. Uh, The women's tournament has the preliminary round that is currently underway. The men's tournament will not start until February 9th, but I just wanted to give a quick update here on everything going on with the women's Olympic hockey team uh, for both the United States and Canada and a couple other scores as well. For starters, uh, and again, these are all preliminary games, but you had the United States beating Finland 5-2. to You also had Canada just squeaking by Switzerland 12-1. to uh, For the U.S., you had team captain Kendall Coyne-Schofield scoring two goals. Alex Carpenter with two goals. Goalie Matty Rooney makes 10 saves on 12 shots. And the U.S. actually outshot Finland 52-12 in that game. And the U.S. actually outshot Finland 52-12 to in that game. So it's probably surprising that the final score wasn't more lopsided than it was. Uh, but you had Finland goalie Anna Kisala making 47 saves on 52 shots. And then as for Canada, uh, again, a 12-1 to win over Switzerland. Two goals and two assists for alternate captain Blair Turnbull. Uh, one goal and four assists for Claire Thompson. Two goals and three assists for Natalie Spooner. Two goals and one assist for Sarah Fillier. And uh, goalie Anne Renee Desbians stops 14 of 15 shots, and uh, obviously Canada won quite easily. You also had Czech Republic beating China 3-1 to and Japan beating Sweden 3-1. to And we'll keep our eye on both of these tournaments as they progress, women's and men's. As I said, the women's tournament is just underway, and the men's tournament is forthcoming. But like I said, I wanted to uh, spend the majority of today's episode talking about the various awards around the NHL and which Ranger players might be at least in the running, if not possibly the favorites in several instances, uh, for some of these awards. And I think we can start with the Vesna and Igor Shosturkin and his case for potentially bringing home that hardware at the end of the season, which at first glance might sound a little bit strange when you consider he didn't even make the all-star team. But as we discussed earlier, he was absolutely robbed not being on the all-star team. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of great goalies in this league, but Igor Shosturkin is one of them. And, uh, when you put up the kind of stats that he's put up and you don't get onto the all-star team, it just kind of leaves you shaking your head. And it's like, man, what does this guy have to do? Uh, But as far as how he stacks up for the Vesna and, you know, what he's doing compared to what some of his peers are doing, we'll go through the stats right here, and then I'll kind of determine if Igor is a legitimate candidate or possibly even the favorite to win this award. So for starters, Igor is third in the NHL in goals against average with a 2.10 goals against. He trails Vili Husso of the St. Louis Blues. Husso leads the league with a 1.90 goals against average. 
And Igor also trails Freddie Anderson, who has a 2.01 goals against average. So Igor is within striking distance of both. And really, I can't go any further without putting out the very simple fact that Huso has only played in 15 games. So as great as he's been whenever he's seen the ice, I can't really give him serious consideration for the Vesna. The only way he can really get into this race here, no matter how good his stats are, he would have to play pretty much game in and game out down the stretch in the second half of the season for the Blues. And I just don't know how likely that is, given the fact that Jordan Bennington is also on that roster. Uh, Bennington has struggled this season. Maybe there's a little bit of a goalie controversy brewing there in St. Louis. But yeah, you got to play more than uh, 15 games. I guess he's on pace for about 30 games. You got to play more than that if you want to have serious consideration for a prestigious trophy such as the Vesna. Uh, but then as far as, you know, guys that are kind of within striking distance of Igor, you've got Jacob Markstrom with a 2-2-0. Uh, this is goals against average, obviously. Markstrom is followed by our old friend Antti Ranta, who has a 2.21. Tristan Jerry also has a 2.21. And then rounding out the top 10, Vasilevsky, 2.23. Pavel Francos, 2.29, Jack Campbell, 2.30, and Jeremy Swayman, 2.31. Then you look at another really important stat, and that would be save percentage. Igor Shesterkin is second in the league in that stat with a 9.37 save percentage. He trails only the aforementioned Vili Husso. Husso has a 9.41 save percentage, but once again, he cannot get serious consideration unless he plays just an absolute truckload of games down the stretch. And like I said, I, I just don't know how realistic that is uh, with Bennington being on that roster. But to kind of just round out the rest of the save percentage leaders here, we already mentioned Huso. We already mentioned uh, Igor Shesterkin. They have a 941 save percentage and a 937 save percentage, respectively. Uh, after that, you got Freddie Anderson, 929. Pavel Frankos and UC Saros, both with 927. Jack Campbell, 925. Ilya Sorokin, 924. Tristan Jerry, 923. Jacob Marks from 923. And Capo Kakonin, 922. So it's tight, and obviously there's a lot of guys who are in this race here, but I think Igor Shesterkin, you know, going through these two all-important stats, goals against average and save percentage, it's pretty obvious that he's, you know, as good or better than anybody in this league. And if you want to turn your attention to shutouts, uh, Jacob Markstrom leads by a mile. He's got seven shutouts this season. After that, you've got Jack Campbell and Ilya Sorokin, each tied with four. And then after that, you have Igor Shesterkin, Tristan Jerry, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Ilya Samsonov with three apiece. So Igor, you know, somewhat within striking distance of everybody except for maybe Markstrom. I mean, you never know what can happen, but that's obviously a pretty good lead that Markstrom has on the field there. As far as wins, you know, you got to look at that. You got to look at which goalies are contributing in a positive way to the team's success. Uh, Vasilevsky's got 25 wins, Freddie Anderson with 24, UC Saros with 24, Sergei Bobrovsky and Tristan Jerry with 23 each, and then in sixth place, you've got our guy, Igor Shesterkin, with 22 wins this season, which is pretty impressive when you consider the fact that he's still in sixth place despite missing a few games at two different junctures of the season. Uh, Igor's record, by the way, his overall record, 22-5-2, that is nothing short of outstanding, even if you group the regulation losses and the overtime losses together, he's 22-7. and seven, So he's winning more than three-quarters of his starts. I think that stat alone should give him some serious Vesna consideration. And as far as whether or not Igor Shesterkin is going to ultimately get awarded with the Vesna, I think the answer is yes. The key here, he absolutely must stay healthy. Because I think if Igor... You know, if something happens, be it, you know, COVID-related or be it injury-related, and there's a situation where he ends up missing another two- or three-week chunk of the season, then I think he would probably have too much ground to make up. 
Uh, none of these goalies, as amazing as some of them have been, have won more than 75% of their games, with the lone exception being Freddie Anderson. Anderson is 24-6, and six, and right now, if the award had to go to someone, I would say it probably should go to Freddie Anderson. If we were giving out the award right now with the All-Star break, I think Freddie Anderson is your guy. It's such a dead heat right now, though, between him and Igor Shesterkin. But here's how I see this unfolding. I think Igor will eventually eclipse Freddie Anderson in the second half of the season here. Anderson is a great goalie. Don't get me wrong. No disrespect. But I don't think he's this good. You know, when you look at his career track record, he's been a really good goalie in this league. He's never really been truly elite. And again, no disrespect, but I do think his numbers will at least somewhat come back to earth sooner or later. Whereas with Igor Shesterkin, we are seeing the ascent of a truly elite goalie. Somebody who's going to be one of the best goalies in hockey year in and year out for many, many seasons to come. I would think, I mean, that's what he's shown us so far. So I think Igor will have Freddie Anderson beat at the end of the season, and he'll be your Vesna winner. But the, the key is he's got to stay healthy. If it comes to the end of the season... And, you know, it's Igor and Anderson, and they're still kind of neck and neck. And Igor has played, you know, three, four, or five games less than Freddie Anderson. I don't think that'll matter too much. But if there's a situation where Anderson has played 15 or 20 more games than Igor Shesterkin, then, yeah, I don't think Igor can win the award in such a scenario. And there's other goalies, too. It's not just these two. But for my money, uh, these are the two that are kind of leading the way right now. And I think Igor Shesterkin's going to get it. I, I really do. I, I think he's primed for a big second half of the season. The key is... And this goes well beyond the Vezza Trophy. This is a key for the Rangers as well. Ewert's got to stay on the ice, and he's got to stay healthy. We're going to continue talking about some other Rangers that could be up for some awards in just a second here. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for the playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, and just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I should also mention that there are probably a lot more awards than you initially realize. You know, when you're thinking about NHL awards, you're thinking about, I mean, as far as team awards, you've got the Stanley Cup, you've got the President's Trophy. As far as individual awards, you know, the Norris, the Vesna, the Hart, the Ted Lindsay, um, you know, maybe the Calder, but there's actually a lot more awards than you realize. So this episode uh, is actually going to turn into a two-parter, uh, but right now I figure we might as well turn our attention to somebody who's looking for a repeat when it comes to an award, and that is Adam Fox going perhaps for his second straight Norris Trophy. And let me just say, I, I feel like the Norris shouldn't always necessarily go to the defenseman that has the most points, and it doesn't. I mean, there's there's times where uh, somebody who doesn't have the most points will end up winning the Norris. 
But I'd almost like to see, and I saw somebody mention this on NHL Network. It was one of the analysts, I forget who it was, but he mentioned um, you know, a defensive defenseman award because so often, and I'm guilty of this too, we're probably all guilty of it to a certain extent, we get so caught up anytime a defenseman uh, ends up with a lot of points and we kind of just naturally assume, well, that guy's got to be the best defenseman in the league. And in some cases, yes, that is the best defenseman in the league. In some cases, not really. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see a an award for a defenseman that uh, goes to somebody that specializes in defense, kind of a stay-at-home defenseman type of award. But as far as the Norris goes, it's all the usual suspects, and Fox is certainly in the running. He is tied with Victor Hedman for the lead in the league with 47 points. That is the most among any NHL defenseman. Uh, just behind them, you've got Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi with 44 points each. Latang has got 41. Ekblad's got 41. Uh, Morgan Riley has 38. So again, all the usual suspects. If you want to look at plus minus, Adam Fox is a plus 12. Uh, McCarr's got him beat there. He's a plus 26. Ditto with Victor Hedman. He's a plus 15. Aaron Ekblad is a plus 29. And this is kind of a tough award to assess because I don't see all these defensemen playing night in and night out. I would probably have to give it to Kale McCarr this season. Uh, he's got 18 goals, so just the simple fact that he's on pace for a 30-goal season as a defenseman, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Certainly, Adam Fox has his name in the hat, just as he did last season. And, you know, again, it is really all the usual candidates that are sort of duking it out here as far as who's going to end up winning this award. And we'll see how things shake out. Right now, it's anybody's game. I mean, you could make a case for four, five, six different defensemen potentially winning this award. I will say this, though. If it comes down to Fox, Hedman, and McCarr as the three finalists as it did last season, I get the feeling it could go to McCarr simply because he's the only one in that group that has not won a Norris Trophy thus far. And I think a lot of times when there's a situation like that, voters tend to kind of favor the guy who hasn't won it yet. If it's just a complete dead heat, and, you know, Hedman and Fox and McCarr are tied across the board. I think a lot of times voters tend to kind of side with the guy who hasn't won the award yet. And that's not exclusive to this award or even hockey itself. I think it's like that in a lot of different sports. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. But certainly Adam Fox has a chance. I mean, he could be a repeat Norris winner. And whether it happens this year or somewhere down the road, I don't think we've seen Adam Fox win his last Norris. So we'll see how this shakes out. Definitely going to be an interesting race down the stretch. And then this isn't really an award per se, but Chris Kreider's got a real chance to lead the NHL in goals at the end of the season. He currently leads the NHL in goals. He's got 33 goals on the season. Leon Dreisaitl right behind him with 32 goals. Then you've got Alex Ovechkin and Austin Matthews with 29 each. Alex Dabrinkat has 26. And then you've got Kyle Connor and Troy Terry. They each have 25. I think Chris Kreider's going to get this. And there's a few reasons for this. For starters, the way Chris Kreider scores goals is very repeatable, and we've seen that this season. Basically, the vast majority of his goals result in him going to the net and either scoring on a deflection or cleaning up a rebound on the doorstep, and he does that better than anyone in hockey right now, and it's pretty clear that defensemen from other teams have their hands full when he's in there. They have a heck of a time moving him out of there. Kreider pretty much just goes there, posts up, and does whatever he feels like doing. Uh, and again, he's become so good at those deflections. And when you look at the Ranger power play unit, it's going to remain one of the most lethal in hockey. You have to figure. And they score so many goals on their power play opportunities. When you've got guys like Panarin and Fox and Strom and Mika Zibanejad making passes and moving the puck around and putting the puck toward the net and setting up Kreider uh, for goals, not to mention just drawing the attention of the penalty killers. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm a penalty killer, I'm going to keep an eye on Artemi Panarin over there, Mika Zibanejad too. I, I mean, the whole, all of them, really, all of them. Um, 
So, yeah, it's a case where this is a formula that's very, very repeatable. And I think Kreider, for all his streakiness in the past, this is something that he can continue to do night in and night out pretty much for the Rangers the rest of the season. I don't really see anything that's going to slow him down uh, the way he's been scoring goals this season. Something else that bodes well for the Rangers here. We mentioned that Leon Dreisaitl is just one goal behind Chris Kreider. Again, Kreider has 33. Dreisaitl has 32. But the Oilers are a mess right now. And not only are they losing, it just seems like they're kind of coming apart at the seams. We had that weird press conference between Leon Dreisaitl and that reporter a couple of weeks ago. And for the record, I think that reporter was uh, somewhat out of line there with, with the way he was talking to Dreisaitl. But Dreisaitl didn't come off very well either. And you've got a team that, you know, before the season, I mean, they had Stanley Cup championship aspirations. And now uh, they are firmly on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. So the way I see it, if the Oilers continue to go on the trajectory that they're on, and who knows, maybe they turn it around. But if they don't, I just get the feeling you're going to see a very flat, very lackluster Oilers team down the stretch this season, and you're not going to see them playing very well. And as a result of that, talented though he is, Dreisaitl might not be scoring goals at the same clip later in the season if it's a lost season for the Oilers as he is right now. So I, I think Dreisaitl might actually kind of fall out of this one a little bit if the Oilers keep going the way that they're going. And I realize I don't say that lightly because Dreisaitl is an amazing talent, an amazing player. But I don't know. Something's just off with the Oilers right now, and I could see that eventually affecting the way that they're playing down the stretch, especially once again if the team is you know, losing all hope of getting into the playoffs this season. As far as other guys that could catch Kreider, I mean, Ovechkin's always scary. I'm not going to act like he's not. He's four goals behind Chris Kreider right now. He's got one game in hand on him. When Ovechkin gets hot, he can score like 12 goals in six games. I mean, he can really make up a lot of ground in a hurry. So I don't think you can ever count out Alex Ovechkin. And on top of that, uh, he's got this uh, record that you probably heard about that he's trying to chase down. Uh, most all-time goals, you know, he's got Wayne Gretzky in his crosshairs. It's possible that he could at some point catch him. So we'll see what happens there. But Ovechkin's got plenty of motivation to, uh, you know, bring it night in and night out. I think Austin Matthews is also a threat. He's just four goals behind Kreider. And obviously Toronto's got some serious firepower. Matthews is a heck of a sniper. So uh, he's somebody we're going to have to keep our eye on down the stretch as well. Uh, but then, you know, you look at other guys that are, uh, you know, kind of in the top 10 area as far as most goals this season. I mean, Debrinkat, Connor, Terry. Uh, you've also got Philip Forsberg, Miko Rontanen. They're all great players. I don't see them as truly elite players that are going to go on this, like, epic tear. I mean, is Troy Terry really going to lead the NHL in goals? It'd be an amazing story if he did, but I just can't see him staying on that kind of a pace. And then there's some other superstar players uh, that are quite a bit behind Kreider. You know, Connor McDavid trails Kreider by 10 goals. Uh, David Pasternak is 11 goals behind Kreider. Barkov is 12 goals behind Kreider. Steven Stamkos is 13 goals behind Kreider. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think it's Kreider's for the taking. I really do. Again, it, it's a sustainable formula that he's found when it comes to putting the puck in the net. I am going to laugh, though, if Kreider falls one goal short of this. I mean, I, I can't help but laugh a little bit because if you guys noticed the other night, uh, the Rangers, you know, they're finishing off their 5-2 to two win against the Panthers, and Kreider's got two goals. He's on the ice at the end of the game. Panarin skates away with the puck through the neutral zone. And Kreider's there, too. And Kreider basically just left the rush. He just kind of peeled off to his left. He was going to go right at the center of the ice. And you know Artemi Panarin would have fed him the puck, looking to set up his guy for the hat trick. But Kreider said, you know what? It's your goal. And he let Panarin have it. And, you know, Panarin's such a pass-first guy, and he's so selfless. You know he wants to set up his teammate for an empty net goal. 
whether it's Kreider or anybody else. The last thing he wants to do is just kind of score a cheap empty net goal, but Kreider didn't give him any choice because Kreider just uh, left the play, and uh, Panarin, he had to shoot it himself. He had nobody to pass to, so uh, that was cool to see, but I don't know. It's going to be kind of funny and also kind of a bummer if, if Kreider ends up falling one goal short of the uh, most goals in the NHL, but frankly, I don't think he cares that much. He's a team-first guy and uh, you know, obviously a leader on this Rangers squad, one of the few veterans in the room, and somebody that, you know, if the Rangers ever do name a captain, he's still my top choice. So uh, we'll see how this shakes out, but it'd be pretty amazing to see Chris Kreider, you know, more than a decade into his NHL career, lead the league in goals at the end of the season. And we're going to talk about a couple more awards in just a second here. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the brand that their warehouse just so happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, like I was talking about earlier, there's actually a lot more awards that the NHL gives out than you're probably aware of. One that I'm going to mention real quick right here, but we're going to save the bulk of it for a future episode, is I think that Gerard Gallant has to be up for the Jack Adams, which is given annually to the best coach in the NHL. He won the award one time in 2017-2018, taking the Knights to the finals that year. And uh, definitely looking forward to discussing that. But I don't want to just squeeze it in at the end here. I want to spend a good amount of the episode talking about it. We'll do that at some point during this two-week break here. But a couple that I I figure we can kind of just go through really quick. uh, And then I've actually got some fictional locked-on New York Ranger awards to give out. But you look at some of the other big awards that are given out. I'm going to talk about the Hart Trophy real quick and more specifically why I don't think any player on the Rangers is truly in the running there. They have a lot of players who are having outstanding superstar-esque seasons, but that's just the thing. The Hart Trophy is given annually to the most valuable player in the league, not necessarily the best player. It's supposed to go to the most valuable player, the guy that if you took him away from his team, that team would be in dire straits without him. And I think when you look at this Ranger team and you see the kind of season that Chris Kreider is having and Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox and maybe you could even throw Igor Shosturkin in there as well, I think at a certain point when you've got this many players performing at a superstar level, they almost start to cancel each other out a little bit. So I don't know that the Rangers truly have anybody in the running for the heart. I mean, we'll see. Maybe uh, Panarin just absolutely goes off in the second half of the season more than he does typically. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out. Right now, though, I think that uh, Jonathan Huberdeau probably might be the uh, favorite for that one. I will say this. If you were going to give out the Hart Trophy for the first month of the season, Igor Shesterkin. It cannot possibly be anyone else. You guys watched those games just like I did. You saw how important he was to this Ranger team. They won game after game after game that they had no business winning. They just weren't playing their best. You know, They were trying to develop that chemistry, 
get used to some of the newer faces in the room, I'm sure. And Igor Shesterkin was not only keeping them in games, but just flat out stealing games. So if you wanted to give out the heart for just the first month of the season, yeah, Igor Shesterkin is your guy. As far as the Calder, which goes to Rookie of the Year, there's nobody on the Rangers that really has any chance at this whatsoever. I would imagine probably either Trevor Zegris, maybe Lucas Raymond. Uh, but I will say this. If I'm remembering this correctly, I believe that everybody who votes on these awards gets to cast five votes. And obviously, you know, if a player receives a first place vote, it's worth more points than if that same player received, you know, a third place vote or a fifth place vote or whatever it might be. I suppose it's at least possible. You know, if Braden Schneider or Zach Jones, I would think mostly Schneider, but maybe Jones, if one of them plays just lights out outstanding hockey down the stretch this season, then maybe at the very end, you see Braden Schneider get a fourth place vote or you see uh, Zach Jones get one or two fifth place votes. So it's possible they might at least end up, you know, on the chart at the end that shows how many points that each rookie got as far as the voting is concerned. But as far as actually uh, winning the award, there's no chance. Igor Shesterkin did come in fifth place last year for the Rangers with 165 points, and Ke'Andre Miller came in 12th place with eight points. So it's at least possible that Jones or Schneider ends up with a couple of points each, but obviously they're no, um, you know, threat to actually win the award. There's just too many other rookies having big-time seasons, and with Schneider and Jones, you know, they haven't played the whole season with the Rangers, so uh, they've got no chance of actually winning the award. And then I wanted to wrap up with a couple of Locked On New York Rangers fictitious awards here. We've been giving out the Ryan Lindgren Award annually. It went to Ryan Lindgren himself in 2019-2020. It also went to Colin Blackwell in 2020-2021. And this is an award that basically goes to a player who just vastly vastly exceeds expectations uh, going into the season. It goes to somebody who is not even really expected to have much of a role on the team, in many cases not even expected to make the team, and ends up uh, carving out a much bigger role for themselves than any of us ever would have thought at the beginning of the season, exceeds expectations, and contributes to the team in a big-time way. This year, we've got a few nominees for this. I would say it's probably Dryden Hunt who is leading the way, uh, just given the fact that when they signed him, it was just a complete afterthought, and I don't think anybody really even thought he was going to be on the NHL roster. I think he was going to be an NHL, AHL swingman at best, but, you know, he's a hard-nosed player. He's tough. He's great on the boards. Uh, he's versatile. He can move up and down the lineup. Uh, there's times where, you know, he's played with Panarin and Strom and, and done well with it, and then there's other times where, you know, I do kind of uh, yearn for the Rangers to... to acquire a big-time sniper to put on that line with Panarin and Strom and maybe move Dryden Hunt down into the bottom six. But for the most part, you know, I think he fits the spirit of the award. I think, you know, maybe you could also throw Greg McKaig in there, although with McKaig, it's not really that surprising that he uh, carved out a role for himself on the NHL roster. He does tend to spend more time in the NHL than the AHL, even though he's like the definition of a career journeyman. And then you've also got you could maybe make a case for Braden Schneider, but with Schneider, it's not really in the spirit of the award because Schneider is a former first-round pick, and I think a lot of us, uh, myself included, were very, very excited to see what Braden Schneider could do this season, and, you know, he's somebody that was obviously in the Rangers' long-term plan, so he's been great since the Rangers have called him up. Don't take anything away, but I don't think it's really all that much of a surprise. This, once again, goes to somebody that carves out a much bigger role for themselves than ever could have been anticipated. And when you've got somebody like Dryden Hunt playing with Artemi Panarin uh, for a good amount of the games this season, I think he certainly qualifies. I think he's leading the way uh, for this award so far. And then finally, we've got the Dan Girardi Tough SOB Award. And this one came about 
when I had my old friend and former co-worker at NHL.com, Brian Souza, on the show. It's always a good time talking to Brian. We're going to have to have him back on here uh, sooner rather than later. But I was making the point that, you know, is there a case to at least be made? And I was only half joking when I said this for Dan Girardi to be in the Hall of Fame. And the reason I brought this up is because at the time, Dan Girardi was the all-time leader in block shots. And granted, that stat hasn't been tracked as long as some other stats have. But, you know, you think of the NHL Hall of Fame, the all-time goal scorer is in the Hall of Fame. The all-time assist leader is in the Hall of Fame. The goalie with the most shutouts, I'm sure, is in the Hall of Fame. The best goals against average is in the Hall of Fame. So, Given the fact that hockey just doesn't really have, I would say, as many stats as a lot of other sports do, uh, is the Hall of Fame really complete if you don't add the player that had the most blocked shots? And that's why I kind of floated the idea. Now, Brian, my friend, he didn't necessarily 100% agree with me, but he did suggest the idea of the Dan Girardi Tough SOB Award. So I figure, you know what, we might as well incorporate that into the podcast so we're going to have to give it out retroactively to begin with. In 2019-2020, I'm giving it to Brandon Lemieux. There's a lot that can be said about Lemieux, and not all of it is good. But I remember that game against the Canadians. You know, the Rangers are down 4 to nothing. They come back and win. He scores two goals. Uh, the game ends. He's got bruises and uh, shiners and blood and cuts all over his face. Was wearing the fedora hat because he got the, uh, you know, the Ranger Broadway hat at the end of that game. He also fought Tom Wilson that year, so I'm going to have to give it to Brennan Lemieux retroactively. And then last season, uh, another Brennan, I think we're going to give it to Brennan Smith for 2020-2021. Just a tough physical player. He fought Tom Wilson, and he was very mentally tough as well. He was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit toward the end of his Ranger tenure. I thought he handled it well. And again, just a big physical defenseman, somebody that didn't necessarily live up to the contract that the Rangers gave him, but uh, a good teammate and a player that I think, once again, was very mentally and physically tough for this team. As far as this this year is concerned, Ryan Lindgren is always going to be in the conversation for an award like this, the Dan Girardi Tough SOB Award. I think Lindgren definitely uh, leads the NHL in bloodshed on the ice. I mean, it seems like every other game he's getting some kind of a cut and having to be worked on on the bench, and then he always goes right back out there. I think Ryan Reeves needs to get some consideration. He's constantly dishing out hits. It's at the point where nobody even wants to fight him. I think Ryan Strom, he's going to get some consideration as well. He's started to play with uh, a certain amount of feistiness, even though he's certainly not the biggest guy on the ice. And I think that fight he had against Florida really kind of sparked the Rangers and propelled them down the stretch. So I think Ryan Strom is at least in the running. Jacob Truba, he's going to get some consideration as well. Always plays with that trademark snarl and grit. Dishes out some big bone-jarring hits. So I think he's in the running. Maybe even Alex Georgiev because, and for him, it would be more on the mental side. Uh, but, you know, people kind of left him for dead earlier this season. And granted, his last couple of starts have not been great. But in between there, they really needed him to step up in the absence of Igor Shesterkin. And he stepped up big time uh, during those two time periods when Igor was out of the lineup. So that's basically anybody's trophy to win. And we'll see how it shakes out down the stretch of the season here. And like I said, we'll continue talking about some of the other awards in the NHL that certain Rangers might be in the running for. We'll do that before the Rangers come back from their two-week break here. Uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. 
Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NHL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.